Last episode, we shared tales from the underwriting desk with Lindsay Hall Harrison, but this week she's back to talk about recruiting new talent into the title industry. We chatted about her passion for bringing the right people with the right skills to our industry and the steps she's taking to make that happen. Today's show actually includes a bonus interview with the PropLogic's director of HR, Jennifer Nikolai. With more than a decade of experience recruiting talent, she shares tips for attracting and qualifying candidates to ensure they're the right fit for your company. I'm Amanda Farrell, and this is Title Talks. We'll start the episode first with my chat with Lindsay. You started a website called Florida runs on titleinsurance.org to bring new people into the industry as a response. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure. So this is one of the things I'm really, really proud of. When I joined the board of directors for the Florida Land Title Association, um, let's see, coming on three years ago, the, the first thing that I really wanted us to do and to focus on was succession planning for our industry because you know, those of us who are newer to the industry and, and are on the, the younger side, it's very obvious that there is a gap in the, um, there's, a, there's a significant age gap between those of us who are younger coming into the industry and those of us who are the senior practitioners who are really truly on, on the verge of retirement. Um, you know, the recession caused a huge problem because we stopped hiring for our industry for probably about a decade. And so there's really a gap in the industry of people who who should be in their late 40s, early to mid 50s, who are who are, you know, taking over the roles and responsibilities of those who are closer to the age of retirement. But there really isn't that there really aren't that many people in that space. So there's a gap. And that gap is severe because people are starting to retire. And since title insurance and in our industry is so fundamentally based in experiential learning and apprenticeship and passing down of the knowledge, um, we have to desperately and quickly recruit new people to join us because somebody's going to have to teach somebody else what they know before they retire. And so I've seen this, you know, in my in my own professional career as I've as an underwriter, where everything that I needed to know had to be taught to me by somebody who had done it before me. And the senior practitioners who have been doing this for 30 years or more, they are looking to retire and and we have to find a way to to bridge that gap in the knowledge. And so I have been very proactive in trying to encourage members of our industry to look outside of their current situation and say, yes, we absolutely need to hire more people, but instead of hiring and stealing experienced people away from a competitor, we have to get into the business of making new people. We, we can't rely on stealing talent from each other because there's just not enough of it to go around no matter what we do. We have to start recruiting and hiring new people. So. Uh, the Florida Land Title Association, um, under the executive director Scott Merritt, purchased the domain Florida Runs on Title Insurance several years ago with the hope that it would sometime turn into something. And when I approached Scott about this project and said, we need to find a way to recruit new talent and we have to direct it to the people that we want to, we want to encourage, 
he said, great, let's put together a website and, and let's use that as our let's use that as our focal point. So the website Florida runs on titleinsurance.org is is truly designed to be an introduction to the title industry for people who have absolutely no idea what we do. And the most effective way I found for us to try and introduce new people was to not explain to them, not to overly explain to them what we do, but to try and match people in our to our industry with their personality traits of who they are and the things they like to do. Because title is such a varied industry that there really are roles for everybody. You know, there's roles for people like you, Amanda, the creative types who want to do things in, a, in an interesting, creative way and are bringing, you know, technology and design and, and new innovative discussions. But there's also really analytical types who want to sit and, you know, research all day long. There are social types who want to get out into the world and want to talk to people and want to be, you know, the the salespeople. And then there's really great people who are good with numbers and who are good with, you know, sitting down and being detail oriented. And so all of those are personality traits rather than specific to the industry. So I thought it was important to focus on introducing people to jobs that they could do really well, regardless of what they're doing, but doing it based on who they are. So the website is set up so that on the on the front page, there are a list of personality traits and some of them are self-starter, problem solver, multitasker, gatekeeper, researcher. Um, if you're a people person or you identify yourself as independent or persistent, those are all different tags. And so if you click on those, then it will go to another page which lists several roles that could be fulfilled by someone who identifies themselves as that particular trait. And then if you're really interested, after you've read through some of the quick blurbs on what those jobs would be, then it gives you a detailed job description of, of what the role is. So the introduction to title insurance comes through the back door of personality traits, but ultimately helps an individual to identify a role that might be suited to, their, to them individually and give them more information about that job so that if they want to go do a job search, then at least they have the correct industry keywords to be able to look for that role. So the Florida Runs on Title Insurance website also is a job search aid. And so it does actually directly filter into FLTA's job portal where uh, career posts can be put in by employers. And there's also searching opportunities for employees. So it's kind of our little warehouse for all things title insurance, job related, but it started out of the idea that we need to find a new way to recruit people. And I think especially we need to look at doing a better job of recruiting minorities and people who come from different parts of the world and speak different languages because Florida is such a diverse place with so many international travelers and buyers, we really need to diversify the people who are sitting across from the closing table and to make sure that we are catering to the culture and the experiences and the languages of the world because everyone who comes to Florida comes from somewhere else ultimately we should be able to give them an experience where they have someone speaking their language or identifying with their culture. And so we need to do a better job of that in our industry. And I think hopefully this is one tool among many that can be used to try and, and encourage that recruitment effort. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I think that's, it's a really great project that you're working on with FLTA. 
Can you real quick, maybe for employers who might be listening, people who own title companies who are struggling to recruit these people, do you have any suggestions for them to write better job descriptions? Any suggestions for them to maybe kind of even open up their ideas and how they recruit people and who they consider for a position? Should they consider people who don't have experience, but have maybe this personality trait instead? I I absolutely think that when I see job posts and I see them all the time over LinkedIn or, you know, out in, out in the the world, you know, people post them on social media. um, And the first thing is experience needed. And I think that that is, that is problematic because the experience needed is, is not going to get us to where we need to be in this industry. We have to have employers who are willing to invest the time in training somebody. And I know that there's hesitancy to do that because if an employer invests the time in training somebody, they're worried that as soon as they've trained them, they're going to walk out the door and go somewhere else. And I totally understand that. I get it. Um, But a rising tide lifts all boats. And if we have enough trained people that even if some go out the door, Maybe in a competitor who trains somebody, they may come to your office, you know, and you may end up training somebody who leaves and goes somewhere else. But since we are such a small industry and we all really do pull together in a way that I don't see in other industries, I feel like we can work together to create the future of our industry because we don't have a choice. You know, the industry is retiring. We don't have a choice. We have to find a way to kind of get over our fear of hiring people who are going to leave us and you know there's always ways for employers to incentivize employees to stick around obviously culture is one of them and wages are another but ultimately in identifying people for this industry we have to identify people that we think are good candidates to stick around so you know some of the personality traits that make a difference is not just somebody who is bubbly and fun and is excited to you know, get out and meet people, but somebody who really sees the importance of the work that we do. And so understanding upfront that, you know, you're going to have to train somebody to understand the importance of what we do and to really buy into the culture of our industry. I think that that's something that's, that can be, that can be taught, but also is something that should be looked for in, in somebody who wants to join into the role. You know, I've, if somebody is looking for a job for a few years before they decide to go off to nursing school, that's no reason to say, no, I can't hire you, but be sensitive to what role you're going to invest in that person. If you know that this is not their end career goal, just consider that when you're hiring them. I think there's a huge amount of opportunity to take people who are undiscovered in this industry and to give them a role in these companies where they can flourish. Um, I've met a few different junior escrow agents um, and closers with different title companies who started out in the hospitality industry and then COVID happened and their jobs went away and they somehow got lucky enough to find a, a job in title and are now really happy that they're here because it's a fulfilling role in a completely different way and they didn't even know it existed and it wasn't something that was available to them. Um, or that they even knew was available to them. I think the advice for employers, absolutely, make sure that your job descriptions are more specific to the identity of the person that you want to hire. What what traits are important to you? You know, self-starter, go-getter, detail-oriented, 
focusing on collaboration and working together as a team. Those are all really, really important things. And the functionalities of how to do the job will come. If somebody's good at being detail oriented and making sure that they have double and triple check documents and that they listen to their gut and you know the top five things that I was talking about if if those are the way that they live their life and the way that they are as people they'll be successful in a title agent role whether or not they have experience so trying to find people who um, maybe just didn't even know title was an option for them would be the best start. I would say go outside of your comfort zone and try and recruit in different ways. Um, obviously, our industry is so heavily based on, you know, Aunt Pam giving her niece or nephew their first start for a summer job when they were in high school or college. You know, that's how a lot of people got started in this industry and then they get sucked in and they stay for life but we need to be looking outside of our comfort zone to try and reach out to different communities um, because there's a lot of really talented smart interesting people out there who could do a massive amount to contribute to our industry and we just haven't we just haven't introduced ourselves to them yet is there anything else that you would like to share before we end the session today i really love our industry i think that we have a really special small and niche place in the world. And I, I think that, you know, it sounds really cheesy, but title is fabulous. We were a small group of, of individuals and, and professionals. We're a small industry. We all know each other. We all collaborate really well together. And even though all of us in some way are competitors with each other, I, I never feel that competition overrides the fundamental values of what we do. And I think that that's really special. And so I'm Every day I wake up grateful for this role that I have, and I'm, I'm always happy to share my knowledge with others. And if anyone ever wants to reach out about a job and title and they don't know where to start, please reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to people because I just think this is the greatest industry in the world. And I you know, want to share what we have with other people who are looking for something special. My next guest has spent her entire career in HR and talent acquisition. Jennifer Nikolai is the director of HR at PropLogix, and since coming on board in July of 2020, she's helped grow PropLogix by hundreds of team members. This is not an exaggeration. When it comes to recruiting, interviewing, and retaining employees, she's done it all, and she's here to share some of her best practices with you. Here's that conversation. So before I get into questions, first, I just wanted you to talk a little bit about your background in human resources and all that. Yes. So I actually got into human resources first on the staffing agency side when I was in college. I was working for a staffing agency and they were training me on how to interview people and place them into positions for our clients. And I realized that I got a lot of gratification out of making that perfect match where the client was happy, but more so that this person is now an employee of a company and they're gainfully employed, they're happy, they're satisfied. It's kind of like a puzzle because sometimes you would have lots of potential candidates and then several different clients that were looking to hire and you had to decide who fit what company and what position. So when I decided to go into human resources, it was at the time of the great recession and 
I found that it was not so easy to get a job without having experience. At the time, since I was familiar with staffing agencies, I asked a staffing agency if they would place me in an HR role so I could build up that experience on my resume. And it led to a lot of long-term HR assignments where I was able to get experience at very different types of companies. So small companies, medium, large companies. And I felt that I thrived the most in fast-paced hyper-growth companies um, that were really small, but kind of on the precipice of making it big. And I ended up landing um, a permanent job at a company like that. And really that's where my career has been the past eight, nine years. So I started at PropLogics and it's a really exciting time to be here because like I said, it's kind of at the precipice of really making it big. Um, I think just since COVID happened, PropLogics has gone from 170 employees to 250 employees in six months. So I would call that a hyper growth company. <laughs> and so what are some of the, the reasons that you stay in this field? What makes you passionate about human resources? Yes, I am very passionate about human resources to me. And I think this is becoming more of the opinion in the business world, but HR is just as critical an aspect of the business as a finance team, legal, IT. Uh, HR is involved in driving the business strategy of, of a company through its people. So no matter what your business is, your talent is essential. And I feel very strongly about you get the right people and you put them in the right roles, you build the right teams, and that's going to drive your company's success. So for me, it's about building the relationships, understanding the people, and then also understanding the business and matching those two together. Also HR, there are a lot of different aspects to it. So there's a lot of diversity in tasks. There's never a dull moment. And as you know, when you're dealing with people, that keeps things interesting. Yeah, for sure. And so you mentioned your preference of working with hypergrowth companies. What about in terms of title companies and in the real estate industry in general? You know, a lot of title companies are much smaller, handful of employees, and there are lots of opportunities for them to grow. But what are some of the tips that you would give to someone in that kind of, of company in terms of, you know, finding the right candidate for the positions that they have open? Yeah. So I think part of the process for finding the right candidate actually starts before you're actually ever speaking to the candidates. So I think taking the time to understand why you have the position, what the position is going to be, and also thinking about what's attractive about, about that position, and then what would the attractive candidate bring to the table of that position? So if you were designing like your dream candidate, what they would look like. I feel like the more realistic they can be with describing the challenges of the position as well as the selling points, the better they're gonna be when they start that interview process and finding the right match because you, you want the right person and sometimes people don't think that they're going to be the wrong person. Like sometimes people will force themselves into a role that they're not going to be satisfied in. Any job can be satisfying for the right person. Um, and we'll talk about that, I think, a little bit more in terms of the types of skills that title agents would be looking for. 
I'm curious too, you know, you, you said you've worked with various companies of different sizes. Does the methodology change at all when it comes to the size of the company or is it just more about examining like those cultural fits? Like how do you, do you sort of suggest people kind of calibrate their approaches based on factors like that? To me, it is unique depending on the company, but even depending on the department and the position itself. So every company has their own unique culture, mission, the types of work habits that they expect. And really having an understanding of who you are as a company is going to be the way that you attract the best candidates for your company. So if I was recruiting for PropLogix, I wouldn't necessarily be looking for the same people that I would look for if I was, you know, working in a K through 12 school and hiring teachers, like your selling points are going to be different. So this goes to the methodology of finding the right skills and the right personalities to match the roles. And there actually are, you know, scientific ways to do this. I mean, there's all sorts of research on asking behavioral types of questions to make sure that you are finding people that are aligned with your company values and with the competencies that you need for a role. Um, recently, PropLogic started partnering with a company called Predictive Index, which is a proven methodology for setting job targets and matching candidates with the right roles. Candidates fill out a brief but highly accurate behavioral assessment to show what drives them. This is exactly the type of intel to use to make sure you're getting the right people in the right roles. It's not saying that someone can't do a role, but it is saying the types of roles that they would be most productive and satisfied doing. Meaning, for, and as an example, like you wouldn't, you wouldn't want your top salesperson going into a role where they're going to be doing high levels of repetition and paperwork all day. On the flip side, you wouldn't take your best research researcher and say, I want you to make 50 cold calls today. They're, it's not that they couldn't do it, but by the end of the day, they are going to be so mentally exhausted and they're really not playing to their strengths. So for title examiners, for instance, you might be looking for someone that has the desire to become a subject matter expert. They need to be meticulous, careful with details, but also have the ability to deal in a high-paced, stressful situation where they have to make quick judgment calls to assess risk. So that might sound like a very rare person, but they do exist. And when you use the behavioral assessments, you're basically creating a job target that says they need to have all of those traits and then you match candidates that have those traits to the job. Awesome. Yeah, that makes total sense, definitely. And so kind of getting into some of maybe the, the nitty gritty of hiring, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people make when it comes to hiring a candidate? I mean, to me, the, one of the biggest mistakes is if you really like the person as a person and so you want them to work out, but they really, if they're realistic with themselves or you're realistic, they just aren't right for that particular job. And this goes all back to really understanding what it takes to be successful in the job and then finding those people that are are the match. And, and there's nothing wrong with liking someone and that they're just not the right you know, match for that. The, the other mistake, and I think that this could happen a lot with this particular industry with title examiners, sometimes people that are 
introverted, humble, meticulous with details, those types of candidates may not know how to sell themselves. And so they may not be the best interviewers. And you come, you come away from the interview thinking, well, the, you know, they're not the right fit. They're dull. And it's really just that they don't know how to articulate that or sell themselves because that's not their personality. And you could accidentally overlook someone that is the absolute right person for the job. So I think in those cases, you need to go beyond just an interview because there's more to somebody than just a you know, face-to-face -face interview. And you really need to assess them if you can do um, a type of job assessment to see if they can actually do the job, talk to their references that can attest to their work ethic if they have attention to detail. Um, even when you're doing an assessment with them, you can have it where you're checking to see were they careful with details, did they follow the instructions? So if, if it's a job where they absolutely have to follow instructions to a T, you can, you can weed that out right there with an assessment. So I think sometimes interviews can be deceiving. And I guess we kind of already touched on the methodology aspect of, you know, matching the right skill set to the right personality. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about that predictive index or other ways that, you know, people within different industries, especially the title industry, can apply that further in their hiring and training efforts? Yeah. And I mean, the predictive index may not make sense for a really small company to do hiring, but I think some of the concepts could apply. So I think it gets to the root of taking the time to understand the qualities that you're actually looking for. Um, sometimes it's, it's not always on the surface. And then thinking of those types of behavioral questions that are going to let you see if the candidate actually has those types of qualities. Um, so behavioral questions mean you're you're giving them scenarios in their in their past and having them draw upon their experiences to explain how they either acted or how they would act in a particular situation. And I think when you use behavioral questions correctly, then it can really give you insight into how they would perform in the job they're interviewing for. Can you give an example of what a behavioral question might be? Sure. So if they're trying to find someone that cares deeply about providing strong customer service and getting that solution for a customer that's dealing with an issue, they could ask, um, tell us about a time that a customer called you very upset and had a problem and you weren't sure how to solve it right away. How did you handle that? And so that's touching on a few things like um, not only how they dealt with the customer, but also how did they go about solving something? Did they go to their manager? Did they research it? Um, did they look in the files? So it, it gives you a little bit of insight into their way of thinking and then also their demeanor with the customer. And so when it comes to attracting, you know, well-qualified candidates for a position beyond a good salary, what are some of the ways that you would recommend companies, title companies specifically, so that they could attract higher qualified candidates over their competitors? I think the good news is that while compensation is important, studies have shown that it's actually not 
the most important thing. Um, if you look at the reasons why people leave their jobs, it's it's usually not the most important thing. People care a lot about the company mission and feeling like it's meaningful in some way. And so in this particular industry, really helping someone understand that they are serving a role that helps a buyer go through one of the most important transactions of their life. And so tying the job to that meaning, I think really helps. And then also it comes down to their individual culture as a company. And, um, you know, culture can refer to a lot of things, but people really do care about feeling a connection with their manager, feeling that their manager is invested in their career development. And so if they could provide instances of mentorship um, and, you know, job growth opportunities, but even job enrichment opportunities, you know, sometimes people aren't necessarily to move up a corporate ladder. They just want an opportunity to constantly learn and do things outside of their normal role. And then also, you know, I think for the millennials in the workforce, they they all say that having a work-life balance is very important to them. You know, they they want to come in and work really hard and do a great job, but then they also want those boundaries to be able to enjoy their time out of work. And so anytime a company can explain that, hey, when you're here, you work hard, but you will have kind of, you know, set schedules or we'll give you, even when things are crazy and you work crazy hours, we will give you great time off to recharge with your family. I think those are all things that are trending um, as attractive to candidates in today's market. And obviously for a lot of companies, things have radically changed because of COVID-19 and this move to remote work or more flexible hours. What are some of the ways that companies can adopt this or adapt to the remote work environment and other modern benefits to attract new and young hires? Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> things are probably never going to be the same. And in some ways that's a good thing. It's had companies reassess if they needed to be in brick and mortar buildings to be productive. And, in, you know, in some cases they've found that they can be more productive with having employees be remote. But I think to make that transition and to have it be successful, that you have to already have a strong company culture. That culture has to have values such as trust, teamwork, commitment to the company. Because if you don't have that and people are remote, then they're not going to be bought into the mission. It, it is much harder, I think, to start at a company and be remote and not see those types of values already established in the company. So I would say if companies want to stay competitive and transition to remote or have that as an option for employees, they really need to look long and hard at kind of their daily habits and behaviors because you know, it, it does change. If, if you were a culture where you really just micromanaged, then it's, you're never going to trust your employees to be at home and it's going to cause a, a lot of paranoia. Once they feel like they are ready for that, carrying over really some of the same traditions just remotely. So doing virtual events like lunch and learns, uh, virtual happy hours, even doing team building exercises, and also making sure to keep regularly scheduled calls, like even if you don't necessarily need it, 
keep them on the calendar as regularly scheduled. I think at PropLogics, we found that the teams that feel like they're connected personally and their managers go that extra step to check in on them has really helped them to create the bond professionally and to feel like they're on a team that supports one another. So really taking the time as a manager to check in with your people beyond, hey, when is, you know, when are you going to get this back to me, creates more of that camaraderie that you would have had when you were in a building together. And are there any sort of tools or softwares that can help people manage performance remotely to sort of maybe keep that paranoia at bay that you would maybe recommend? Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what technology platform they're already using and then using what's already integrated. So, for instance, if you're using Microsoft, um, Teams is already available and has so many different ways to connect um, and to see what each other are working on and to share files and to have those, you know, virtual calls, you know, video chats. Um but more so than that, there's there's even a lot of free software out there. I think having good project management software, and again, you can use something that's super basic and free, so it doesn't have to be that you know you you're an actual project manager to know how to use it. But I think using any sort of platform that's shared to track task completion and to assign tasks to one another helps to you know to know where everyone stands and then it doesn't really feel like micromanaging so much as being organized and having that collaborative virtual workspace. And so we've talked a lot about, you know, a company finding the right fit for them and the right hire, but what are some of the ways that employers can show that they're the right company for the candidates that they're interviewing? Yeah. And again, you want to show that you're the right company by being true to who you are as a company. So that way you make sure to attract the types of candidates that will actually be happy at your company. I look at it as all managers, owners, they are brand ambassadors of the company. And so before they go out and start talking to candidates, they really need to understand how to articulate what their company mission is, what makes them unique, what makes them a great place to work. Um, and that goes beyond compensations. And sometimes I think it's thinking about examples from their own experiences. But I know one time I was interviewing with a company and I asked, you know, why do you like working here? And the person was kind of at a loss and then eventually landed on, well, well, my manager was nice to me one day. And I, I was like, I don't know what to do with that. So I think it, it needs to be examples like, um, you know, this is an environment where I feel challenged every day, or this is an environment where no matter what happens, I know my team will support me and I'm there to support them. And I get you know, gratification from that. Or um, I feel like this is a really collaborative environment where people are encouraged to give their opinions. And then I see that the company actually listens and is always looking for ways to improve and take our opinions into action. So those are all the types of examples that could really showcase what it means to work there. And it will resonate with the right people. Is there any other pieces of advice that you would give um, someone, whether they're, you know, title company owner or whatever it might be regarding HR, performance management, hiring, training, anything of that nature that you want to impart before we finish the conversation? Well, I think one 
taking your time to hire is going to make all the difference. If you rush into a hire, it's going to cost you more in the end. So it might take a little bit longer to fill that position, but it's it's going to be worth it in the long run. I mean, turnover is really costly to a company and um, there's nothing worse, especially for a, a small company to, to get someone and they're just really not the right fit. So being very careful and thoughtful about the interview process and doing that research and planning even before embarking on those conversations. Um, and then also, you know, once the employee is there using that technology, um, you, you mentioned performance. I mean, employees really value getting feedback on how they're doing and how they can grow and doing that the right way can be productive rather than scary. And there's ways to, you know, again, there's free software out there to use that. But when you're remote, making sure that you have that ongoing dialogue, it shouldn't be a, you know, once a quarter conversation, um, performance management and feedback and a manager talking with their person about how they're doing in the job should really just be part of an, an ongoing dialogue, not necessarily it doesn't have to be these formal conversations and i think that makes it more natural for managers and i think it's you don't feel like you're being scrutinized as much when it's just part of an ongoing conversation so you know there's a lot more things out there um, but to me that's where i really like helping managers is one thinking of that strategy when they're about to hire someone and then two helping them have conversations with their people and and feeling like they're always connected yeah when it comes to title companies you know i think it's also a good opportunity to good opportunity to take a holistic approach as well and maybe even reevaluate your title production software because within a lot of those nowadays there are process checklists and there are more collaborative tools depending on which platform you pick so it could act as that you know project manager in, in a lot of ways as well to help employees, you know, gain the knowledge and get that training and also get that, you know, quick reward, whether it's just, you know, acknowledgement of this is done right. And then also provides that opportunity to discuss where people can improve as well. Um, so, so yeah, I think looking at the landscape of the title production software is also super important too, because that can be a really great tool to help recruit and retain really great hires, but it could also be detrimental to that and turn a lot of people away if you're using software that's older and not as user-friendly and clunky and, and all of that. So I'm glad you put, um, brought up uh, project management tools because, you know, obviously now in 2020, <laughs> um, there's lots of technology out there to help you accomplish things. And it's not just a matter of having the interview, sitting down with someone, picking someone. It, it doesn't stop there. It, you know, so it's, it's important to think about those things too. Yes. The fewer logins, the better. So if you can find a comprehensive solution where you log in and it's got a lot of different aspects, you know, that are related to not just your role, but the relationships with your team and you're all in one place. I think that's that's key is having that full service software. Great. Well, thank you, Jennifer, for taking time to talk with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you, um, Amanda. Is, 
Yeah, of course. Thanks to both of my guests today. If you're interested in posting jobs or checking out positions in the title industry, you can check out floridarunsontitleinsurance.org. If you're interested in seeing open positions at PropLogix, you can visit proplogix.com forward slash careers. Title Talks is produced by PropLogix and myself. Editing is by Lindsay Gordon. Original music is by Cole Sando. And original graphics are by Jordan Norris. Until next time, happy closings. <laughs>